have to ask your coach questions because you're going to be asking coach questions for four years, five years. Get used to having conversations with these coaches. Get used to building that rapport. Can build all that right now because ain't nobody got nothing but time but to talk. Do I really look like a guy with a plan? What is going on, everyone? This is the Up Close in Personnel podcast show. I am your host, Alex Brown, Director of Recruiting with Rice Football. For those that are returning listeners, thanks again for your support for the show. The more feedback, the better. So continue to let me know what you like, what you want to hear more of. And uh, as we continue to add these incredible guests onto this show, we'll uh, continue to bring you the content that you want to hear. And for those listening for the very first time, be sure to subscribe and rate the show if you enjoy what you hear. Now, this week, our guest is none other than Ed Jones, Director of Player Development with the Kansas Jayhawks. Ed is a Houston native and graduate from UH, and after spending six years coaching high school ball at Cypress Lakes High School and Fort Bend Hightower High School, Ed made the jump to the college level. Hired by Tom Herman at the University of Houston as Director of High School Relations and Player Development, Ed created and oversaw the Beyond the Field program, which we discuss in this week's episode. In addition to his player development responsibilities, however, Ed also spent one season with added role in recruiting as the assistant director of player personnel, overseeing the offensive staff's recruiting efforts. With Kansas, Ed has brought the same intensity and impact and recently spoke on Football Scoop's virtual online clinic over his player development program. And in this episode, we talk through what he sees as critical factors for being an excellent recruiter, what he learned from teaching and coaching at the high school level that's enabled him to be so successful in college as now a recruiter and player development director, and we talk at length on how recruits can maximize their on-campus experiences. So, without further ado, I bring to you guys Ed Jones, Director of Player Development for the Kansas Jayhawks. Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um... Ed, welcome to the show. What is up, Alex? Thank you for having me. Nah, man, it's, it's a pleasure. Thanks for joining the show. How uh, How's Korea and Ella doing? How are they doing right now? They're doing well. Baby Lily will be here this week, so um, they're doing well. Kree's ready to have baby and Ella. I think she's starting to get ready to have a sister. At first, you would ask her if she's ready to have a sister, and she'd be like, mm-hmm. And so I think she's more open to it. She understands. So it's they're, they're doing well. That's awesome, man. And uh, for our listeners out there, by the time this drops on Saturday, hopefully, hopefully, uh, Lilio enter this enter this world. So before we get started, uh, I want to ask you five questions. Everybody I bring on the show, I'm going to ask them these five questions. So for you starting out, you have such an interesting background, one of being both a high school coach that's dealt with star players that got recruited. So dealing with those people as a recruiting coordinator at different high schools, but also as a player development guy at, you know, you're the director of player development at Kansas, you were the director of player development at Houston, but you also worked in recruiting for a year at Houston. So what makes somebody a good recruiter in your eyes? I think it comes down to relationships. I mean, I know that's cliche and a lot of people say that, but it's about the bond you build with that student athlete. And not only that student athlete, of, excuse me, prospective student athlete, but his coach, his family, like there has to be a genuine relationship there. It doesn't have to be the deepest relationship, but like there just has to be some genuineness. Who is the best recruiter or evaluator you've been around and why? 
the, the best I've seen in person, I would have to say, was Coach Craig Niver, because I saw him when I was a high school coach. And he came into my classroom, and there was a young lady in the classroom who he looked at, and he was like, hey, you're uh, so-and-so's brother from his previous university. And, like, they remembered, and she's like, oh, hey, coach. And, like, it was just incredible to me that he remembered, like, to literally walk into a classroom and remember someone's sister that you recruited at another university vividly and have a conversation. Like, they spoke for five minutes. I mean, that was just incredible. And when he would come to, when I was at Hightower, he would come to the classroom. Like, teachers knew him. Like, he just, when he was on campus, he just had this, like, engaging personality that I learned a lot about from my time there. And I will say, now that I've been around Coach Miles, it has been incredible to see, like he is smooth, man. Like he's got this swag about him when he walks in the room. I mean, it's so awesome. Like, it's just like so smooth, man. Like so chill. Like he just, it's like every time he walks into a room on a recruit trip, it's like somebody's playing music in the back. You know, like. It's just, like Clay Jennings? Yeah. <laughs> All Clay, yeah, man. Like Clay, Clay Jennings, Jennings. Uh, shout Absolutely. out to Clay. Yeah. Uh, we worked with him at Houston. He's at North Texas. Uh, yeah, we, we we settled it on the field this year over at Rice, but Clay, man, he, he knows everybody. Like everybody. we'd be recruiting somebody outside his area and he'd be like, oh yeah, uh, I know the counselor. Yeah. So I met Clay uh, when I was, um, when I was transitioning out of being a high school coach. So I met him right when I was coming to the University of Houston. And like you said, we got an opportunity to work with him and it was just incredible. Like all the people I knew, he knew, like it, it almost felt like never knew somebody that he didn't know coach Jennings knew everybody and he did an incredible job with parents and one thing I learned from him was the um the relationship you have with parents he he definitely spent time with student athletes but it was just important to parents like just because it's a process and the way he especially the way he went about helping parents who were going through this for the first time it was just incredible well, because nobody prepares them for this process Correct. as much as we focus on. And, and this is the whole point of the show is to like help people learn more about it. You know, we always focus on just educating the kid, educating the kid. A lot of times the kid's got so many people in his ear, so many things going on. He's going to forget the things that you say. And it's no different than if I'm, if I want to make sure this kid knows where to go when he's showing up on campus, I probably need to send it to his parents too, because he's going to forget where he, where he put that itinerary. But, Absolutely. um, you know, just talking with parents and, and letting them understand like, hey, we know that it's more than just football. Like they've spent their whole lives preparing that their child, you know, their kid to be successful. They, they want to know that somebody's going to take care of their kid. Moving to the next question, biggest influences on you as a recruiter kind of ties in with the last one. But who are some influences on you as, as you've developed kind of your own voice and, and how you approach it? I would have to say I had to start off with the coach who gave me a great opportunity, Coach Patrick McGinnis at Hightower. He just let me really take – he had a very talented team, and he let me handle all the recruiting. And just the influence, just the what he wanted to do. Like He's like, I want a big board. I want this. I want this. I want that. So he had a plan for what he wanted, and I was able to just enhance what he asked for. One thing I really, really appreciate about Coach McGinnis when I was at Hightower is he was always like, he was like my, my hype man, for lack of a better word. Like, I would go to clinics and he'd be like, hey, man, here you go. Here's gas money. Like, he would just, like, he would always support me in everything I did. And even when um, I had an interview with Coach Tom Herman, like, before Coach Herman interviewed me on the spot, Coach McGinnis literally was like, 
hey, I know y'all want these players we have, but if I were y'all, I'd look at Jones. And Coach Herman looked at him. He said, Coach, uh, no offense to you, but that's the only reason I'm here. And he influenced a lot of the way I did things because he always forced us to think outside the box. And so at Hightower, it's my alma mater. I love it. As far as resources to get things done, we had to be strategic because we didn't have the, the massive amount of booster club money or whatever it may be. And so he always pushed us to get outside the box. He, every time I meet him after practice, it would just be me and him in the field. I'd be like, what are we doing? How are we doing it? Okay, let's do a clinic. Like, why are we like, like, did you see what this college is doing? You know, it's just like he always pushed me to um, think outside the box. And then, I mean, that, that I, I owe so much to Coach McGinnis in my career. What is your process for learning and growing? Really, it starts with, with research. And I think it's individual research. Well, what, what do I want to learn? So learning going for me is how I'll look at a situation and kind of go back on that. And something I also learned from being with Coach um, Tom Herman and Coach Major Alfwhite is I'll look back at what we did and what could have been done better. Not necessarily because somebody else came and told me, but you see something like, ah, we could have done that better. And so the process of learning for me is, okay, how do we do it better? So then I'll research it, then I'll read it. Um, then I'll get as much information, which is, I mean, you've been in the office with me, man. Those data dies. Like, you'll go, all right, man, I'm going to take five minutes. Next thing you know, you've been five hours. It's like, oh, we did this, we did, they did it this way. Um, so it's finding the topic, researching the topic. And the biggest thing that I've done now to help me grow is realistically figuring out what can be done from that topic. Like, I can't do everything. But what is one thing that I can create from this learning experience? Like something that's actionable from the topic Correct. before you get into the research? Absolutely. So I'll look at, you know, okay, what am I like currently right now, I've been on calls with NFL player engagement offices, player affairs offices. And the one thing that I'm looking at is they, they do an incredible job with their alumni programs, but now they also have, you know, the budget for that. You know, they work for billionaires and I don't know every NFL budget, but how can I do it in our way? How can I create this feeling of connectivity, this feeling of belonging in our own way? Is it a pin? Do we give them a pin that when they when they come to a game, they have a pin and this pin is like, hey, whoever spends this much time with our players, you get a pin. And then, you know, something cost effective, but the end goal is to create the uh, belonging to the program. Last question. What are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you watching right now? So I am reading The $100 Startup by, I'm probably going to destroy his name, Chris G. I'll just say Chris G. And it's incredible for anybody that has an entrepreneurial mindset. When I was younger, I definitely thought I'd be owning my own business. I was always always interested in entrepreneurship. And it's just, a, the, the book is just talking about how people take small things and they find this convergence. The convergence is your skill and what people are willing to pay for, and you're in the middle. And, it, and it's awesome, and I love it because I've always, I love, I love working with a team. I love being with a team, and I've never been the guy like, hey, let me just go away. I have to be around the team. That's just relation, that's how I am. But I love this book because it talks about how you can have something on the side, you know, use your skill, use your passions on the side, to create um, some financial freedom, whatever it may be. That's been awesome. Um, listening, I've been listening to um, the Knuckleheads podcast with Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles. I was a big basketball fan growing up, and so I like hearing players talk about players. And so I've been watching YouTube videos of like 
the other day I was listening to Michael Jordan talk about Hakeem Olajuwon. And Hakeem Olajuwon, being a Rockets fan growing up in Houston, I think he's probably, I don't want to say underrated, but he's one of the superstars that sometimes kind of gets looked, uh, overlooked. And like Michael Jordan said, Hakeem Olajuwon was in the top 10 in five categories. Uh, scoring, blocks, rebounds, steals, and field goal percentage. And that's Michael Jordan. Like, and they, you know, they always had these discussions about Michael Jordan. If the Rockets would have played the Bulls in the finals those two years, he was out. But it's just, it's awesome to hear, like, Michael Jordan, like, man, that, that guy was like, he was a guy, you know? That's been the best part about quarantine is like yeah. all the throwback videos that like oh, yeah. ESPN and like people on Twitter are like reposting highlights of like old right. basketball people. That's awesome. See, and I'm trying to find, if you know anybody in the football realm, I would love to hear like football stories, like guys like, man, when I went up against Reggie White or Larry, I'm trying to find a podcast of people talking about other players. It's like right when you open up the Knuckleheads podcast, the first thing they ask that, that former players, who's the first person to give you buckets. And so it's so interesting <laughs> to hear the stories, you know, like Dame Litter was talking about Goran uh, Dragic. He was just like, man, he just, bro, he just, he could I couldn't stop him from scoring. Like he was just putting buckets up. So I, I, I appreciate that. And then what I'm watching, I've been watching a lot of like National Geographic. Like I just got done watching Wild Russia and now I'm watching, um, I watched the Elephant's Deal last night. Ella fell asleep on it, but it was pretty interesting. And then the next thing I'm watching is like uh, Yellowstone National Park. When I was younger, I thought I wanted to be a zoologist. So it's been fun kind of re-engaging. Uh, I will say that with all this time, I've been able to re-engage some uh, former passions. That's awesome. Just switching gears to, to talk about your, your personal, your, your life story, your journey to where you are now working at Kansas, kind of starting at the ground level, kind of what, what helped you fall in love with the aspect and the concept of team and, and working with other people? Because just having been around you at Houston, the energy that one, that you feed off of other people's energy and you bring energy to every room you're in. Where did that start for you? Because it's it's contagious one, but it really just like for me, it, it helped me learn so much more about myself and and I felt like I learned so much from you and what you brought to the table on a day to day basis. Like where did that start for you? Uh that started when I was young, um, growing up at home. I had to have a huge imagination. My older brother is seven years older than me. And so like it's we <laughs> I would want to do stuff and he'd be like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm seven years old. I'm not doing that. So I had my sister who's close to me. Like we would create so much. So it was just so much imagination, right? And just the neighborhood, we would do so many things and we had to make the best of our time. And so it kind of went on later in life. Um, as it became the, I became pseudo, like kind of the oldest because my brother was seven years older and then all the rest of us are like two years apart. So like there's like my brother and then the four of us together. I would teach, <laughs> this is so crazy, but I would teach like summer school, like literally at home through like, I think elementary and middle school. Like I would get a book and I would teach my brothers and sisters. And I was like the teacher and I'm like, hey, you guys got to wake up. We got to go. We got to learn today. That's and so awesome. it just kind of went with me. <laughs> it just kind of went with me my entire life to where I was, a, when I played football um, in my younger years, middle school, high school, like we had to get things going and I was a guy I always enjoyed team because I was limited athletically. <laughs> so I I had to find a way, number one, to stay on the field. Um and that was the energy. And number two, that was knowing every single thing that we were doing as a defense or offense. 
And so I would get our, our other guys going because they would get nervous. Man, I don't know what I'm doing. Man, let's go. Let's have fun. Hey, if this happens, you in the B gap. So I would start singing stuff. You know me, man. I'm like, hey, if guard blocks down, you feel the B, you know? <laughs> Different things like that. But it was just like, it was it was just always me. I just always enjoyed energy. It was so it was so crazy. At one point, my, um, my D-line coach, my senior year in high school, he made me stop listening to rap music before games on the CD because I would literally be so hyped. And after the first, like, defense said, I'd come to the sidelines and be like, he'd be like, what'd you see? I was like, I don't know, because I can't breathe. And so like, I, had to listen, I had to listen to, like, Stevie Wonder and Al Green before games just to calm me down. But I've always just enjoyed people. I come in, Like I said, coming from a big family, we had a meeting the other day where I was in an academic meeting. They said, write a title for your memoir. And my memoir would be How to Get Away with Fun. You know, and I was just always like, I'm, I, I, of course, I can be serious. I understand that, you know, the aspect of seriousness, but I just always feel like working hard can be fun. And so that's just something I've carried everywhere. I mean, I, like <laughs> we do it right now at the uh, at Kansas, like we do this left, right to the sky. And so I was just like, <laughs> I'm just screaming down the hallway. But like, for instance, one of our uh, student assistants, it wasn't her birthday, but every single time I say happy, every time I saw her in the hallway, I say happy birthday. So now all the coaches are saying happy birthday to her. Like, it's just, just different stuff like that, just to get it, just to engage people. She's like, why did you do that? I was like, because if I don't say happy birthday to you now, nobody would know your actual happy birthday or when your birthday is. So it's just like, I don't know, man. It's just like football fun. I just kind of like, you know, I want to get it back to the game aspect of it. There are very serious parts to it, but. I've just always enjoyed fun, smiling, laughing, joking. It's probably got me in trouble too, but I mean, it's just, it is what it is. It's just me. We, we had a lot of fun together at, at UH. Uh, De <laughs> definitely miss sharing the office with you, man. Oh, uh, man. Shout out to, to Major Applewhite hearing all our music blast through the walls. Um, <laughs> but, but I will say, I, I, I will say that Major, he always it was about once every two weeks he he blasts some 311 like that's his band like yeah. he fell in love with that drummer and like would just blast that at random times going to uh your college experience obviously you weren't a student athlete um she went to uh yeah. your alum from there and you got involved with development or marketing marketing so what was that like and how did that kind of one you know shape your approach to being creative and kind of help build off of that, but two also lead into your decision to ultimately take the route of being a teacher and an educator and a coach out of college. Like, like how did that experience at the University of Houston help shape you? And what advice would you have for kids that are about to go to college? The number one thing about advice, I'll go back to uh, what you alluded on to. After I graduated high school, I had opportunities to play at at smaller universities, but the University of Houston had a sports administration program, and I knew I wanted to work in sports. I'm from a family of real estate. My dad was a broker, and my mom, she was a, um, a leasing specialist. She, she sold houses. My sister's a, a realtor, but I knew I wanted to work in sports, and so my deal was like this, okay, I can go play football somewhere else, but I knew I wasn't going to the NFL. I knew the league wasn't calling. I wanted to go where I, my passion, I could pursue my passion academically, so I went to University of Houston. And I walked on. It didn't work out, but I knew I wanted to be at the university. And so I got into the marketing, like you said. Um, and what it helped me see as far as creativity, we had to engage fans. Um, and you were at the University of Houston. First of all, we had to get people to the games. And nothing against, that's my university. I love them. But we had to get 
fans to the games and then we had to engage. Houston's a big, there's a lot of things that can happen. You know, we would have official visits where I think one weekend it was Drake, Jay-Z, and somebody else had a concert. And so it's like, then you had the Warriors playing the Rockets in the same weekend. It was just, you know, shout out to the Warriors. We got to see them two years in a row on official visits. But it just helped me see that, like, you have to engage people. And so that was always something that kept me. How do we engage people? How do we make this experience for this group that's here in Hawthorne's? How do we make this experience with this group that's here at Robertson Stadium? How do we make this at this track meet, this indoor track meet? We need to engage these people. We want to make sure that they come back. So I learned a massive amount about fan engagement, game day operations, event management, commercial breaks, even like how companies would like word their stuff, like wording. How do you verbalize the product like I, there were times that that we would have a deal I was like that didn't sound good i wouldn't want that so like i would sit back and be like, well how would i do it the biggest thing that helped me was my senior year lawrence daniel gave me the opportunity to run the soccer marketing program by myself so i was gonna be the first student to ever like not have a full-time employee at a game and i wrote this business plan and then he ripped me to shreds i mean he destroyed me it was like i've never been destroyed like that in a while like I ain't gonna lie, man. Like I was, he fired me up so much, so much, man. I stayed up to like four thirty. From the time he ripped me to shreds, it was like he ripped me to shreds at like three thirty in the afternoon. I went home, I ate, and I just dove into that business plan for like, like from there till four thirty in the morning. Came back the next day, and he was like, "Oh my goodness!" And ever since he lit that fire under me, it just showed me like there's always a better way to engage. Like it goes back to kind of things I learned. Think outside the box. How can we engage the people that we need? Um, and that was just something I've always carried. And even I did a minor in marketing. I've used things I've learned also, not only in the in the classroom in marketing, but at U of H for my career, be it LinkedIn, be it Twitter, be it whatever. Like you have to market yourself. And I learned that for myself. And I learned that even when I was at the, um, as you talk about me transitioning to coaching and teaching. Like I said, when I was when I was younger, I taught my brothers and sisters. My mom was always in my ear all the time. Like, hey, you know. You're, you need to teach and you get your teaching degree. You need to get your teaching degree. And I was like, nah, you know, I'm good. But I realized even my coach would say, Ed, you'd be a good coach. Because when I was a player, I used to get in trouble literally for whispering the adjustment to somebody when a coach called somebody. I remember vividly my defensive coordinator. <laughs> I, the, he didn't know, the guy, our nose guard didn't know where to go on this blitz. And so, like, I kind of did the cough, like, you know, and so <laughs> he heard me and I had to, like, go roll, man. I would teach people and I literally got in trouble at practices because I would get cues like if it, like we would, for instance, I'm playing three technique. I would notice if the guard was back a little bit, I kind of get one of our linebackers. He was slower at reading pools. And so I'm like, hey, like power may be coming, power may be coming because he had to get over. And one time I called and actually ran in zone and I got destroyed for that. But my coach was like, hey, man, look, you've always taught people. And so then I like I went to a church service and. This one pass pulled me to the side and was like, hey, man, I feel like you're going to be a father figure to me. So I was like, all right, that's it. Okay, I'm going to get into this coaching teaching deal. And that worked. And for me to get a job and for me to work in recruiting and all that, I took all that marketing stuff to teaching. And I had to market myself as a coach, market myself as a teacher. Because once again, I went back to engagement. I had to engage these students like, hey, this is why you need to learn. Hey, this is really fun. This topic is really fun. I had to engage college coaches. Hey, this is this guy. Because you know as much as I do, there's some guys that don't need, like once you have that guy has got power five offers, he's good, you know, in a sense. But I had to engage my FCS, my D2, my JUCO guys. And so 
just that experience at Houston, even to this day, all that marketing experience I got has helped me so much in marketing myself, the marketing program, and creating Beyond the Field, different things like that. And, and I definitely want to get into the Beyond the Field program and, and let you talk about that. But before we do that, let's talk about your high school coaching career and the things that you were able to learn in the classroom that have helped prepare you to mentor student athletes at the college level now. Um, what are some things you took away from being in the classroom? One, um, but also like you were just talking about, you know, you had to understand different levels of talent and help kids become self-aware, right? I think what what's really cool about your story is that you recognized you weren't the best athlete and you focused on your strengths and that enabled you to one, have fun with it, but, you know, be able to compete and have some success. And, and know your level of talent. So that's what, you know, you walked on and put your best foot forward. But I think it's also important that, you know, as you're mentoring kids, you're able to one, speak truth in their life, but also, you know, speak reality and, and, and help kids become self-aware. So what, what were some things that you took away from being in the classroom? And just talk us through a little bit of what you learned, you know, while being at Hightower. So the one thing I learned from the classroom, uh, the number one thing, there was a book, I don't know uh, the author's name, so I don't want to destroy it, but he just talked about classroom management. So that was the biggest thing, classroom management, classroom management, classroom management. And that was literally your room was your room, you know, like you set the tone. And so the big thing I learned from that is that, that if you set the expectations, the students will follow, like they will follow. In that, the one thing I learned is I've always admired elementary school teachers. So like even, you know, like when you go to your wife's room, right, you see all this stuff, right? Like this means this and this station and that and that and that. Well, I read a book or a poem that says everything we learn, we learn in second grade or something like that. And so what I did is I started creating my room into a elementary-like atmosphere. And by that, I mean like, like I had one year, I had like, I had to struggle. I ain't gonna lie. I had some students that had me like on struggle mode. And I was like, you know what? They're kids. What can I do as the adult to make this better? You know, because this experience is, and they weren't bad. They were just ninth graders, right? So they're transitioning from middle school, being a top dog. They're trying to figure out like, what they're. So what I did was I went back like old, old school and I put up five helmets and I would give classes stickers for how they acted. And so the, once you fill the helmet, you got candy for it. But whoever had the most filled helmets would get a pizza party. And I kid you not, like some, some of my classes with that discipline, like those young men and young women who, who were very um, difficult for other teachers, I would literally be like, hey, if y'all don't get this goal done, y'all ain't getting stickers. You see, you see period five, period five, they getting candy tomorrow. Y'all, y'all hold it back. And they would just go back to like, it was crazy. They would be like, yeah, you're right, coach. You're right, coach. We're going to act right. And so, like, you would reward them with stickers. And so, I learned, like, expectations. But also, I learned taking what people have, have already learned or situations they've already been in that they've, they've liked. Because everybody remembers elementary, man. I loved elementary. And you take what people were comfortable with and you try and create that on your level. And so that was one thing we did. I, I started doing different things. I started doing things differently. Like literally, I literally had to stop in the middle of the semester. And I told, I was honest with my students. I said, guys, I'm going to be honest with y'all. Like, I haven't put my best foot forward. I have to change things because what's going on currently, you guys are not learning. Um, 
and I had to re I had to assess myself and I said, you guys are not learning because of the way I'm leading you guys. And so we're going to start things all over. We're restarting the seating chart. We're restarting how we do warm-ups. We're restarting how we do things. We're restarting how we turn things in. We're restarting how I, we used to go to the restroom as a group, as a group, like, right, going back as, to elementary as, school. as freshmen in high school. Yes, as a group, because what I, what I realized is that we had too many interruptions, right? People were learning, too many people were leaving. And I kid you not, like the craziest thing when they first heard it, man, we ate in second grade, but they loved it. Like they, they loved it because it got them out of their seats. We all got to go one time. It, it was time efficient for me. It was five minutes. Hey, y'all have five minutes, right? Where a kid would take your pass and a kid be gone for 10 minutes. Like you took away. So I took away some of the headaches. So I learned that about classroom management that really helps me to this day is Take away, take away things that look at the problem you have and see how you can take more. Like, okay, this has become a problem. You know, principals will come and say, hey, Jones, you got a kid that's got your pass and the kid's going to the, you know, opposite side of school. I'm like, man, that ain't my, like, and you know, I, and I would, at first I would like be like, man, y'all are principal, like, you know, whatever. But I was like, well, how can I do this? How can I help my principal? You know, because then they'll help me on the back end. And then, for instance, we had a problem with turning work or homework. We had a problem with homework. People, they would not turn in homework. So what I did was we had, we had block schedules. So we were in there for an hour and a half. The last 30 minutes of class was homework, but they didn't know that. It was like, okay, guys, here we go. We're going to work on this right now. I'm going to go around and help you guys. So what I did was you take a problem and you find an innovative way to address the problem. And so I learned that from the classroom to this day. And it's, it's, it's been impressive because, you know, as you know, being a problem solver is it, that's, there are some people that aren't problem solvers, you know, just in life and and have an opportunity to say, hey, you know what? That, that, that yeah, that's a problem. Let's let's just try it this way. Let's try it this way. Let's get this way. Let's get this uh, from our student athletes. And I even do that to this day with how we do things with our players. Hey, you know, this is a uh, you know we're having you know and, and it's never it's never. Let me start by saying it's never terrible, right? It's something small, and you just hey, let's address the guys and let's let them see. So like for instance. Uh, when we had speakers come at the two universities I've been, you know, guys would want to use the restroom while the speaker's going. And what I would say is when they came in, all right, guys, I went right back to teaching. Hey, guys, this is your time. Please go use the restroom. This speaker, you know, he gave time out of his day. I would love it if you guys take care of this before. And they, they did. And we didn't have a problem, guys, getting up. And, just, you know, and so just instead of creating a mountain out of it, right, like instead of me going up to the front of the room and being like, hey, man, we got people, y'all disrespecting them, like, I saw teachers do that and they got destroyed. It's like, no, let's find a way. Because most of the time, the young men or women may not understand that what they're doing is even a problem to you because it's, it's your preference, right? They grow up and they're taught things in their household, but you have to learn, hey, let me communicate my preference with them so that they can get better. So that was one thing. And then from, and also from coaching and teaching, I learned the uh, benefit of habit watching, right? So there were habits. So I would have, and it's crazy. Like when you see these students all the time, they have habits. Like, and you don't even know that you pick up on it. So, like for instance, there would be, let's say, it was a young lady who would ask me every single day, "Coach, do you need gum? Do you need gum? Do you need gum?" And I always say, "Well, you're trying to say my breath stinks." She's like, "No, I just." She like to ask for gum. So the one day she doesn't ask me for gum, you kind of like, "Hey, she didn't ask me for gum." And then you say, "Hey, is everything all right with you?" Well, you know, so and so, and then you're like, "Aha!" So I learned that there's habits everybody has habits and i used to like some of my students would get scared because i would literally and it, it was almost subconsciously and became consciously but you would understand like hey um you know there was always one person who would always ask me to hold the warm-up every time i took the warm-up every single day they'd be like 
coach, I didn't get to write it down. And so one day they didn't write it down. They didn't ask me that. And I said, hey, well, you know, you didn't ask me. And I realized they didn't do a warm up. And I took them outside, found there was some stuff going on at home. It was the same thing for coaching. Like, you know, I had a player who was stretched. I, I used to hate that he did it, but he did it. When I was coaching receivers, he would, every single practice, he would spin on his head for our last stretch. And it used to bother me. And I finally was like, but he actually did the stretch. So I was like, you know what? Because he talked to me and he was like, coach, you know, like you, like I would always get on him because I knew how great he could be. And I was like, you know what? Him doing that stretch, like that spin, is it really, his teammates get hyped. Is it really that bad? Like, no. But then one day he didn't do it. And I, like, once again, kind of the habit, we put him inside, hey, you didn't, you didn't spin today, man. I was looking forward to your spin. And so that's how you address it. Like, I was looking forward to you. And he was like, man, coach, I just, in a classroom and you know and so you find out what's going on and so i learned that from the from my high school years i've learned how to i hate to use the word habit watch because that sounds so weird but to just uh, understand the change of a student or student athlete when change is happening i think the takeaway is that you have to be present Correct. listen to what they're saying and listen to what they're not saying right because they're going to tell you if you if you pick up what they're putting down. And I think, you know, where you talked about, you know, how you had to reassess how you were teaching and take a step back when things weren't working. I think that applies to everybody. Like, you know what I mean? Like what you're doing right now, you know, we've talked off air about kind of your year in review, but just going through what you've done in the past year, you know, it doesn't matter necessarily the time frame, but you know, reviewing things that, that have happened in the past or things that are going on currently and saying, okay, I'm going to take a step back, look at it from a different angle. What are some other ways that I can attack this problem? And I think that applies to recruits too, where yeah. you know, if you're not getting recruited, take a step back. Like, okay, why am I not getting recruited? Absolutely. Okay, be, be realistic with yourself and focus on the things that you can control, which is your output and the things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Because I've seen that from you in what you do. And, you know, kind of continuing to talk about you being in high school, you talk a lot about what you learned teaching wise, but how were you able to make that transition from high school to college? And I, I know you, you mentioned that, you know, Coach Mack was a big influence on you and, and how you approached recruiting and, and you had a bigger role in recruiting, but you also did, you know, the academics and the social media and you were a coach. How was that experience for you, you know, your first real football job and and very kind of diverse in what you were asked to do you said you guys had to be creative and think outside the box we see that now at, at kansas you guys are being creative and thinking outside the box seeing you on tiktok and doing virtual clinics football scoop like awesome stuff but it really started for you at hightower so just talk us through that experience from a football side of things yeah from the football side of things so i had to originally get creative because when I took the job, I, I had played defense in high school. I had coached defense in my last school. And I had an opportunity to become a defense coordinator at 25, and it fell through. I'm so thankful it did. Um, it fell through. And so I called Coach Mack, and we built a relationship. So I networked with him. I saw him in a playoff game. And Coach Mack's like six foot five. I mean, he played O-line. He, he, it's hard to miss him. You know, and so I saw him in the stands, and I was like, hey, I, I know this is your first year at my alma mater. You did an incredible job. I love the energy you have on the sideline. So here I am, I'm calling him, the job fell through, and he's like, hey, if you want to coach, you got to coach offense. And I was like, whoa, like, and I needed a job. So it was like, so I, I went into the job having to learn. <laughs> so like, and I'm learning running backs, right? And so 
we get to game two, and he's like, Jones, I love your energy. I want you to go coach receivers. And I'm like, whoa, coach, I just, like, I just, I feel like I finally got a grip of the offense, you know? And so he always kept me on my toes, but what it, what it, what it really opened up for me was becoming a, like you talked about learning. It became, it helped me become a, a lifetime learner. And then it was always this. So then it was, you know, hey, you know, I, I, so what I started doing was I started going to him with initiative. Hey, coach, do you mind if I, um, do you mind if I create a social media page for us? I think it would be great. Um, you know, there were some people that were already kind of getting it going. I think uh, Coach McDowell out there, Foster, Coach Mann, who was at Crosby at the time, Coach Johnson, who was at Spring, they kind of, and of course, Coach Holmes and John Tyler, they were using a lot of social media. And so he's like, absolutely run away with it. So what we had, what we did there was like, I just had to explain to him what we were trying to do. And so this being my real, like, first, like you said, football, like this is literally, okay, you're not only coaching, you're taking other responsibilities. And so thankfully at that time I was single. My, um, since, since my job fell through, since the job fell through financially, I was kind of recovering. So I stayed with my mom. My mom literally stays like um, maybe two miles away from my job. And so I literally was in the office till like 1130 every night for like two months. And like me and Coach Mack, we we got to know each other really, really close. Cause like he was single, I was single. We just here like we watch film and then we talk about this and then we talk about that. And he'd leave at about eight and I'd stay get some stuff done. But I wanted to take it serious because I enjoyed the aspect outside of football. So social media I took the academic coordinator part I took very, very well. I memorized pretty much every single player's GPA, SAT, ACT when they were taking it. I would use their transcripts and tell them, hey, if you want to reach this GPA, you have to do this in these semesters. So we had academic improvement plans for guys. And with our freshmen, what I would do after the first semester, I would ask, and this is so funny now that I think about it, we would ask our freshmen, how many of y'all want to play college football? And so they all raise their hand and I call out, you know, the 23 guys that had over a 2.3. Like, and I was like, look, all you guys that don't have this, go home and tell your, tell your mom that you're not playing college football, even though you want to. And of course, we knew they all were. But go home and tell your mom that even though you want to pay, she's going to pay for your way to college. And so, like, it was engaging the academic side. So I got to meet our counselors, our registrar. You know, when I did the social media side, I got to meet our, we had a media uh, company. Uh, we had a media, uh, sorry, academy on campus. So I got to meet with them. Like, hey, how do y'all do this? We had a, one of our football players was a gra- He was big in graphics. He wanted to be a graphic designer. So he started making our graphic designs. It was just incredible. Um, getting those jobs. And I feel like it made me a better coach because I had to be on my, I had to be on my P's and Q's or I had to, uh, you know, dot my I's, cross my T's on everything off the field with that stuff. So I had to make sure I was taking care of it as a coach because I didn't want the other coaches to say, hey, Jones is so worried about this that he's missing out on this offensively scheme or whatever we're doing. That was like my first introduction into a just football job. So. I think it's important for those that are listening to the show that are high school coaches, recruiting coordinators at their schools right now. What Ed just talked about, you know, he memorized their GPAs, memorized their class ranks, their test scores. Uh, and some of the guys that you, you rattled off, like Coach McDowell and Coach Mann, some of those guys, Coach Holmes, I mean, they're, they're phenomenal with the way they present the information because you've got to take a, a step back and understand that, you know, these coaches are looking at a million recruits. The first way to lose the credibility is one, not know the information, right. but two, not be efficient in providing that that information. I think that's something that's that's really critical. And honestly, Texas is is the best at it. The way yeah. they 
put the, the data and put the information together and, and stay in contact. Like right before this call, Coach Hamilton over at Reagan just gave me a call and he's like, hey, how are you doing? Here's some guys. Right. I've been on the phone with 50 colleges today. Like that's determination. Like that's that's really what it takes to put your best foot forward. And I think that's what allowed you to stick out to Coach Herman and Coach Nivar. Um, so talk about what the challenges were going from being in the high school realm to now being in the college realm, dealing with recruiting, dealing with player development. How was that transition for you? So it was weird at first because like when I when I literally say I did everything off the field for our program, when I got to college, I, I thought I didn't realize that there were professionals who took care of these things. So I didn't realize, you know, like, oh, oh sweet, we got an SID. Like, okay, you know, I don't have to worry about that. And it's just because I didn't know. You know, or like, oh, sweet, we have a, you know, I knew we had academics, but okay, I don't have to worry about this. Oh, sweet, I don't have to worry about that. So, like, the transition at first was like, I was so used to doing everything. Like, I had to realize, like, I lived, I think the first week I was like reading people's bios, like, oh, okay, so that person does that. So, I didn't want to step on anybody's toes. That was interesting. Um, that first transition. The funniest part about my first day. At, at U of H, I found my office. I walk into my office and I literally like, I, at one point I had freaked out because I didn't turn in my role. And I'm like, wait a minute, I don't have to turn in a role anymore. Like, I'm literally like, oh, I never got to turn in a role. It was right so, after signing day, uh, if I remember yeah, correctly, because we were we were driving on campus to get something. I, I was, it was a Monday after signing day. So the whole, so the whole process, this is the crazy. So I, like, I got interviewed. I came on campus. I met you guys that Tuesday. Signing day was that Wednesday. Coach Herman called, offered me the job on Thursday. I had to be there Monday. So <laughs> it was a it was a fun week. But yeah, so the transition was good, and it was really finding out who did what. That was, and it was just once again getting used to that level. Um, but man, the transition was awesome. I think it was awesome because we worked with great people like yourself. I mean, that whole entire staff. I owe so much to that staff. But like the, I spent a lot of time with you, Derek Chang. Derek came after I came, but with you, I spent a lot of time with Tori Tako. I was Tori's intern when I was in college, uh, so it was good seeing her having that familiarity. I know you mentioned Dallas Blacklock in your first podcast or your second podcast. Dallas, I knew Dallas personally. Dallas literally left every single thing in the office for me, you know, for me to transition, and that was that was awesome. I mean, that was that was so awesome. But it, it was it was different. Coming from Hightower, where it was like, you get so much, you were like, okay, this is what's asked. So I had to learn, let me be great at what's asked of me first, and then I'll start figuring out where I could help or where I could possibly, possibly provide insight at the high school level. Uh, we had a guru at the high school level. We had Coach Meekins there, so I mean, he can do everything about the high school level. I think the coolest part of what you did during our time together at Houston was what you did with the internship program and how you engage students on campus and really just dove into empowering like young students to go after their dreams. And if they didn't even know what they were looking for, giving them a shot um, and just talk through what advice you have for young people that are trying to work in college football. But what led to that? Like what what was behind that as far as you know, the, the inspiration for it, because we had some interns, you know, I interned, but I wasn't a student. Like you know, I was just trying to get a foot in the door. You know, Brian Carrington right. was a student intern, John Wilson. Uh, he was a, just a volunteer intern, just like me. Now he's head coach at Pine Forest. But 
um, I think it's it's a powerful opportunity to give young people a chance one but you know you were really intentional with that so just talk through how that was and, and what led to that yeah so what what led to that i have to give a shout out to my first ever intern at hightower high school peyton anderson she was phenomenal and it she was so good that the college coaches knew who she was it's like hey Peyton, tell peyton i said hello so she uh so it worked our office of line coach was our golf coach and so Golf had the same, I think, athletic period that we did. And so during the season, of course, like, you know, they would go to the to the, the greens or the link, whatever you call it, right? And they have golf, but there were times where she was there. So she just literally was just sitting there. And she, she, I also taught her in class. So I saw her twice. I was like, hey, Peyton, I know you're not doing anything. Can you help me out? When these coaches come, this is, so I would open up my, my, my Gmail and I would say, when they, right when they walk in, I'm either going to text you and I, like, I had this big, book of like cards and i said i'm gonna text you who's in here send this to this coach immediately so they will walk in i text her and then i start giving the spiel about our players and so the coach would be like hey coach can you send me those you know that information on the player and it'd be right there well like, oh, coach we already sent it to you and it, it and then he's like how'd you do that so i was like hey we had like this computer room <laughs> it was literally like a boiler room and Peyton just be there by herself and, like, and they, they always wanted to know how to do that so they'd be like hey baby like, hi <laughs> like and so like she helped me so much because like the big thing like you talked about in texas like high school like wherever you look we were located in fort Bend, so ridge points right there fort Bend marshall's right there you had elkins there you can go to manville on the opposite side you had Pearland dawson i mean we were in this you know highway 6 288 beltway type or excuse me fort Bend tollway where there's players and so i always want to make sure we were the most efficient with their time because i knew they had to go see players like we weren't, it wasn't a one, we weren't a one trick pony or a one school of town. We knew, you know, in Missouri City, you got six high schools and in Sugar Land, you got so many more, whatever it may be. And so Peyton helped with that efficiency. We would roll, like if a coach said, coach, I got five minutes, we were all, we can handle that. So I learned through her the importance of support and delegating. So when I got to Houston, I, I knew it was important to have, I wanted to create what I had at, at Hightower at Houston. And so reaching out to uh, interns, like you said, we, we've had a lot, man. We had, a, you you know, as well as I do, we had like a, <laughs> we had like a squad, man. It was like incredible um, when we worked with Bobby Merritt, what, what we were doing there. And I just always appreciate it. It was more because I knew what it took me, well, what I did. I knew I was an intern. I knew I just had to get certain things, but I, I wanted to take it to the next level, like you said. I wanted to empower. And so. Yeah, I saw you do it. And I know me and you would have conversations like, how do you trust? Like, how do you delegate? I was like, dude, after a while, you know they got it. Like, once you can trust that they're there and they show up, you got to give it to them because it gets off your plate. And, you know, you have success stories. We have success stories of interns now, you know. Like, I was so excited to see you take, you know, when I left, you took Travis Lavalier. Like, he had an incredible interview. And to see you, like, groom him and now he's at Auburn, you know, and that was that's always the deal, right? How can we afford these students? These students come to this university, right? So for me, it's always bigger than just our players and what we do for the program. Like we want to help engage the university too, because then if we do that, we're able to walk into those schools when we do recruit, right? So like with Dr. Walsh, so whenever we, we can go, we go talk to Dr. Walsh about coming to talk to our student athletes about sports um, administration, whatever it may be, because we took six of his students and gave them internship. We gave them real life experiences which makes the program look better. And so it kind of goes back to that relationship of 
we want to help the university. So we can always say we have helped the university. You think about Adam Cordaggi, who now works for MLB. He helped us get into graphic design where we can get people. You know, we weren't able to fully engage how we, we wanted it to, but that that college now says that, hey, they when they recruit students, because everybody's recruiting, I'm learning that now, like everybody's recruiting, that college can say, hey, we have our students work with our intercollegiate athletics program department. Well, it, I, I think the the important part of it is not living in a bubble. And I think this this applies to everybody. It's like, don't get so consumed in, in your day-to-day that you miss the bigger picture or miss opportunities to branch out. Because like the thing that you helped me, like I could, you know me, I, I could sit in front of recruit film for days on end, right? Mm-hmm. But you're not that way. You got to get up. You got to move around. Yeah. You got to be talking to people. And the relationships you built on campus allowed our experience for recruits to be so interactive and engaging and it just it felt more like home uh so and that's just from the recruiting standpoint like that's selfishly just recruiting but as far as like our program development and your personal growth and just being a lifelong learner what was your approach to building relationships on campus engaging people at the university to like you said make the university better um, like you said, number one, it was the, I think a part of that experience was I wasn't a student athlete. So I had to, had to make those relationships as a student. So I had relationships with students that were in this or whatever it may be, or even in marketing, we would go over to admissions and we would drop stuff off for admissions and you shake this person's hand in admissions and you find out, hey, admissions is doing the same thing football is doing. They're recruiting. They have to recruit. You know, they're going to school. They're trying to get students to come. And so for me, it was. It was all about that. My experience is like, like you said, the perfect example, not living. I didn't want to be, if, if we just focus just on football, we're going to miss the, we can't talk about the campus. We can't, we can't talk about the experience, right? Because now you're, all you're talking about is the football experience, but they're going to live on campus for four to five years. They're going to engage admissions. They have to, they're going to engage the recreation center in some case. Now we don't want them hooping, <laughs> but they're going to engage, you know, if you have walk-ons or, you know, they're going to engage financial aid, you know, they're going to engage the student center. You know, they're going to, maybe they want to go bowl. Maybe they want to eat. Maybe they're going to engage housing or whatever it may be. And so for us, it was always that, you know, it, or, or it was for me, it was always creating those relationships on campus because number one, like, and, and I'll just be frank about it. Like we got canned and we had a winning season. So, you know, football it, it, at some point, nobody, you know, in our experience of what happened, Nobody came and asked myself, hey, how did you develop the players? We got canned, you know, and there's like a, there's a cutthroat part to football. And so I want to make sure that I do have connections outside of football, because at the end of the day, I got to put food on the table. I got to, you know, keep a roof over our head. Like there's things like that. Now, that's that's a, a greater aspect of it. But it's the experience. Like, for instance, one thing um, I got this from Derek Chang. Me and Derek Chang talked about this was when we start using the ambassadors. He was like, hey, I think it would be really good. Like, cause we, I ain't gonna lie, I was getting stumped on some, even though I went to University of Houston, I was getting stumped on some questions about campus because I hadn't been there in 10 years, you know? And so, and so we were getting stumped and we were like, I remember we had a meeting and like Derek invited me to the meeting and he was like, hey, we need to get people who know this campus. And so I was like, cool, you know me. I was like, I'll go talk to him, I don't care. Like, and so we set the meeting up, I believe it was me, you and Derek, 
and we're in there talking to them and we're talking to ambassadors about hey you guys have this skill you know and all we did was tell them hey you can give you guys a background like you know a, a background all access look into a football game day and you know you were there they loved it all we did was feed them and <laughs> that was it they were gone we fed them and we got them into the game but for those experiences when we had moments when we would have recruits in the tent and recruits would say like uh one young lady came to me and she's like oh she's like coach she was just smiling and i was like well, you know what's going on she's like coach like i just finished talking to a player and he said every school he's been to nobody ever spoke to him. and so we knew as a staff we couldn't get around and talk to everybody but when you got 20 people from campus it's still a representation of the university and so we did things like that um man we had just building those relationships when you walk in and me and you would walk into the student center and we'd be like, hey, what's up, man? You know, we would go bowling and we go to the bowling alley and the guy would ask, hey, Alex, you bowling today. So now that recruit, that, that student athlete and that parent knows, hey, they have, when they talk about relationship, they really have. It. It's not like walking in like, hey, yeah, this is where we bowl, but, you know. I, I, I can't confirm or deny that Chick-fil-A <laughs> and bowling uh, occupied a lot of lunch breaks. There's no doubt. So, like, but you but know, to be fair, to, to be fair, it took me a whole total of forty five minutes to hop in the golf cart, drive over there, eat Chick fil A, bowl, and drive back. Under an hour it is impressive. That that was I was impressed. I went one time. I was like, I'm never going again. But even like if you think about uh, like the places to eat on campus, right? I would go to Cafe One Hundred One, and they would know what I want. All right, we got here's the Edge Zone special, you know. But it's like when you do that, and then you invite that student athlete there they 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 feel the like you said home that home aspect like these people like like not only would you be a player but people on campus get to know you you know or like you know there are so many places we went on campus and like and the uh, another thing that i that i really really appreciated that that me and you did like and and we you know joel cozy was also a part of that too we created relationships with other coaches you remember that time carl lewis came in and talked to us about recruiting for like oh an hour gosh. and a oh half my gosh and even the baseball coaches you know, Frank right. Shots and and Todd Whitting, Coach Whitting. Um, we had a great we had a great relationship with the basketball staff. Lauren Sampson. She opened up. Remember that we had the uh, student uh, shoe. <laughs> the student engagement deal. Shoe. I mean, the craziest part about now. I'll, let me say. Wait. Let me step off a little bit. Remember we had the uh, the student appreciation practice and the point guard yes. tried to dunk and Ed Oliver came out of nowhere, <laughs> swatted him into oh, the, the side field. That was, like that was the most athletic. That was the most athletic thing I'd seen him do in a while. Like they're, going back to so like his first game against OU. Yeah, dude, he had all like he he was he didn't have his helmet on, but he had shell and shorts, and he just blocked the pass. It's literally there. this is post practice. Like I, I'll have everybody know, like this is not like they just went out there warmed up and were messing around <laughs> hooping. Like Ed Oliver just had an entire practice, and then lines up one on one against a D one legit basketball player for UH when they're yeah. rolling. Rolling. And swats him out the building. It was crazy. The funniest part was seeing, looking at Coach Sampson's face and the basketball coach's face, and we're like, we told y'all he's different. Well, and, and the other thing, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, we had that like private workout for an NFL team that was, oh, yeah. we had a basketball player that was just like, hey, I hadn't played, ba- I hadn't played football my whole life, but I've had a bunch of people tell me that, you know, I should try out for it. He's a big athletic dude, like tied in linebacker looking body. And we put him through a pro day scout, scout came by and worked him out. And, you know, 
that that's not you're not able to have those opportunities you know to engage those athletes and give them opportunities unless you have those relationships on campus um, correct and that's something that i think it's also important for recruits to pay attention to as well like when people are taking you on campus tours and bringing you around facilities like are these coaches like addressing people by their name like are these coaches interacting with each other and is there like mm -hmm. an environment where like you could see yourself fitting into because that's just as important as what they're telling you and selling you because obviously the, the focus will be putting their best foot forward but you also need to pay attention to the environment because that's that's ultimately what you're going to be experiencing for the next four to five years and that's what you're committing to so you know we've talked a lot about houston and you know you coaching right. high school ball now you're at kansas Mm -hmm. And we've talked a lot about being innovative and being creative and building relationships. You guys just had a ESPN documentary, you know, cameras everywhere following yeah. it for the last year. Uh, talk me through how that was and, and just living that that experience. <laughs> that was uh, that was interesting. Like I always heard people say in reality TV, at some point you forget the cameras are there. And and I will agree you do because we build relationships with those with those individuals on the crew. Like I knew them. Like hey, whenever they come, like what's up, man? How you doing? But it's like when they um we went and we did a, it didn't get it wasn't shown, but we did a uh, community service event for Thanksgiving, man. And it's like they put that mic on you, man. And it's just like <laughs> you have to remember everything. I think like a can that hit my finger, and I'm like oh frick, you know? Like uh, you have to remember everything. Um, but it was it was awesome. It was awesome for us as a program to help us in recruiting. But like coach gave them all access. Like it was like like they were literally there. And I remember like when we come in after the game on Saturday, like whenever I would come in, they'd be coming out of coach's office or they come out of another coach's office. Um, it was it was really, really fun to be a part of. Like there were literally cameras. It, it's not the cameras that trip you off, it's the mic. Like the literally boom mic. Yeah, you literally will be talking and like there's this fight over you and you're like, oh man, like, and like part of you, the first couple of weeks, you, you like, you have your routine and how you do things. So they pick up on your routine and they'll follow you around. And so part of you's like, man, I'm not trying to do this for, you know, for the, for the TV. But then you have to realize, look, man, I'm, I'm, I'm being me and it is what it is, you know? But it was, it was, it was fun, man. It, it's, it, it's, it's not as invasive as, as you would think it would be. Um, cause they, they give you a warning. It's not like they're just shoving a camera in your face. Well, um, and, and I, I think the, the cool part is like you talk about, it was, it, it was fun for, you know, the coaches, the players, you right. know, it, it builds your program. You guys kind of have taken that approach of just having fun with, with recruiting and what you guys do on social. And, um, you know, I know you, you, you hopped on a virtual clinic and talked on football scoop for listeners that didn't have a chance to listen to what you talked about. And really for people that are new to the player development side of things and, and what your job role looks like, you know, I'll, I'll give you a, a chance to just talk about what the Beyond the Field program is for you and the two words that you harp on the most, generational impact. So just to define that for the listeners and what that means for, for you. Yeah, so uh, Beyond the Field is a program where we are uh, oftentimes seeing athletes struggle with their identity. Uh, during the game of football and after the game of football. So we help them find their purpose through personal wellness, community impact, and career development so that they can achieve generational impact. So the three big phases there are personal wellness, community impact, and career development. 
And in each one of those phases, we want to show our student athletes that they can create generational impact in some way. With personal wellness, when you talk about their mental aspect, their physical aspect, social and spiritual, um, they're able to create a generational impact. Let's say they can either turn their generation or they can have an impact on another generation. Just how we talk to them about social wellness. Like in the locker room, you learn so much about different um, individuals. So you break habits and chains of what you've been taught or what you thought or biases, whatever it may be. And now you raise children that learn different things or you speak to other people and you help impact the generation by the way we come together and care about everybody's wellness. Through community impact, you can make a, a, a huge impact. I remember the first professional athletes I ever saw was, I want to say third grade, it was Eddie George and Steve McNair. Now I didn't know the, mag I didn't know, I didn't know how great they were when they came, but it's like Eddie George and Steve McNair came to see us in third grade. And to this day, I still remember that. And they just told us one little thing, work hard, right? But as a kid, you just remember that, right? And so I know I'm a success story from that, but how many other of my classmates were success stories because of that? And so we want to teach our players that you can have an impact not only in the community here in Morris, but when you go back home. Um, we have a lot of players that are from out of state. We want them to go back home and create that uh, impact. And then career development, we want them to create generational impact so that they're, um, they can create uh, career opportunities, financial opportunities, and access to just different things in life um, career-wise for not only themselves, not only their, their families, but also their children's 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 kids. So generational impact together is the efforts put forth now to create a ripple effect that impacts someone later on in life. Going back to day one of when you were growing up teaching your, your siblings and, and teaching, you know, your teammates, recognizing that that was a skill you had is, you know, helping other people see success. You know, a guy I think of is, you know, Vincent Marshall, like he's coached a bunch of different places now at Southern. That was his thing. You know, any, any time he could connect somebody with, you know, somebody in the industry, like he was always doing that. And, you know, he understood his skill. You understood your skill. Um, I think it's important for student athletes to, to really, use this time growing up to figure out what you're passionate about. And, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. Like you're, there are so many problems in this world that and at, at some place, at some part of the world, some person is going to need your skill. Like some, somebody's going to need your help because you can't do it on your own. And I think that's the, the really cool thing about your story is that, you know, you constantly find ways to help other people. So, the reason I also brought you on the show is to talk about helping recruits, right? And helping yes. recruits that are taking yeah. college visits. And so the topic of this week is taking, you know, unofficial and official visits. Mm -hmm. So before I ask you kind of the first couple of questions I have for you, um, you know, just break down some ground rules. You know, unofficial visits are not paid for, whereas right. official visits are paid for. You only have five official visits. Unofficials normally happen, you know, game days, camps, springtime. This time is normally, you know, a big part of a kid's recruitment, um, you know, yeah. seeing a college campus and seeing how coaches coach during spring ball. And, and also, you know, during the spring evaluation period after coaches see you, you know, coming on campus for junior days and that sort of thing. And obviously that's that's taken away from recruits right now. So before we get into actually how a recruit should handle themselves on campus as far as etiquette and like how to put your best foot forward and make a great impression. What advice do you have for kids that are, you know, trying to 
make that impression virtually right now. The, the kids that, you know, are everybody's stuck at home. Everybody's dealing with the same issue. Um, what advice do you have for, you know, the 2021 class is going to be a historic one because it's the only mm-hmm. recruiting class that's ever battled a world pandemic, right? So right. What, what advice do you have there? This is the perfect time to research universities. Like you said, if they, be honest with yourself. And even if you know what, let's say you're not honest with yourself. Research every university. Okay. What do they provide? It would, it, you, if I was a coach and I got on a, a phone with a recruit and a recruit says, Hey, I saw that your business school was number two and whatever it may be. And I'm interested in business. Like I would be like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. or even if you look at the season, Hey, coach, I know that you guys had, you know, four games, three games where you guys were leading in the fourth quarter. Like that, that, you know, like, do you, this is the perfect time for them to do their research and not only on them, but the coaches. Hey, coach, coach, I got a question for you. Like, engage conversations. Like, you know, hey, coach, you were here at this university. You know, when you were a GA, what were some of the things you, you know, thought about? Like, I would tell the recruit, this is the perfect time to get to honestly know coaches, you know, because you're not, there's all the thrills are gone. Nobody's on campus. Nobody's getting meals. Nobody's getting photo shoots. All that's gone, right? So learn, this is the perfect time to learn about the university and learn about the people that will be pouring into your life for the next four to five years. You have, and now they got to go to school during the day, go to online school first, but, and after you work out, but get on the horn and these coaches that are recruiting you, these coaches that are DMing you, the staff that is DMing you, reach out to them, like, and, or, or like learn about them, look them up and say, hey, you know, ask the honest questions, like, you know, what do you like about the university? You know, what do you like? Like, for instance, I, if I, you know, that's the one thing if I if I go back when I was a recruiting coordinator, I wish I'd have done more research for my guys on the university and ask questions to coaches. Like, hey, coach, I know you're new on the staff. Can you tell me two things that you enjoy about being on the staff and two things you enjoy about the city that you guys are in? I think this is, the guys need to realize the city aspect, right? Because you come from Houston to Lawrence, it's going to be a difference. It is what it is. And Lawrence is awesome. Uh, I've enjoyed Kansas. I've enjoyed the Kansas City metro area more than I, I'll be honest, more than I thought I would being from Houston. But you need to know that city. You know, look up the places to eat. Ask coaches, hey, where, where, what's the best place to eat in your place? Then look up that place. I mean, there's so much, like even parents, I talk to parents too, there's so much research. Like parents can create a spreadsheet and just be prepared. And now the more prepared you are when you go on that visit about the city, about the university, about the coaches, now you have questions and now you can see the genuineness or the authenticity of the presentation because you have done your homework with all the time that you have. Um, that's one thing I would do. Um, one thing, another thing I would do is reassess, reassess your highlight, reassess, you know, players you played against. Like if you, if like, for instance, let's say like for me, right. When I was playing, I had some guys in front of me that were really, really good. I could have, during time like this, I reassess what makes him better than me. Is he stronger than me? Is he, you know, what is his steps? Or if you, like, you have a rival. If I'm a defensive lineman and I know that there's a guard in my district who's a big-time guy, he's got all the power five schools, what are his strengths and weaknesses? The next time I play against him, how can I set myself to where I can send this coach taping against me and him? And so just reassess and go back. Ask your coach, coach, you know, talk to your high school coach. Coach, what can I do better? So now you have opportunities to talk to coaches. You know, a coach may ask, like, how are you going to get better this year? You know, I'd ask coaches that, college coaches, hey, coaches, how do y'all look to improve this season? You know, I think it's time for recruits to, for me, you have to ask questions. You have to see, you have to ask your coach questions because you're going to be asking coach questions for four years, five years. So ask the questions now. Get used to having conversations with these coaches. Get used to building 
that rapport, building, knowing when, you know, figuring out a conversation, knowing when, you know, that's a no, knowing when that's a yes. You can build all that right now because ain't nobody got nothing but time but to talk. This is a great communication understanding period. I think that's, that's such a great point about asking questions. You hit it on every, no matter what type of, you know, campus tour or academic presentation or strength coach presentation, position coach presentation. What happens at the end of a, of a presentation? It's, do you have any questions? And too many times people don't have questions. So, Correct. And, and it's hard too, because you get put on the spot and, you know, you're trying to absorb all this information, but that's why it's important to take the steps before you step on campus of knowing what questions to ask. So I would say to you, like, what, what are some good questions for a recruit to ask while they're on their visit? So if if you're going to a if you're going to a program that is taking that next step, let's say, and I hate using the word rebuild, but let's just use the word rebuild. Ask the coach, what is the process? What does that look like? How how do what's my part in this? Like how do how do I play my part in helping turn this thing around or helping create something new here? And you get to see, you know, hey, this is where they're gonna put me. Awesome, coach. All right, now how like not only are we gonna do this on the field, but how are we gonna change the perception of Hey, this is what we're gonna do, or I'll connect you with this person. We'll tell you more. I think you know you look at the you look at the uh, depth chart, and you may say, "Hey, coach, uh, I know this in this class." You know, there's when I was at High Tower, we had an individual who saw a depth chart and was frustrated that they recruit somebody else, and I had to let them know that's how football works. Like you need numbers. So I think having those honest conversations, anything that a recruit would feel um, slighted on, ask now. Um, I would ask, like, for instance, uh, our, you know, Coach Miles won a national championship. I would ask Coach Miles, how was that? How was it to win a national championship? What did the players do? Because we understand the significance of players becoming their own leaders. What did the players do outside of what you guys asked them to do? You know, ask a coach, like our, our office co coordinator, Coach Dearman. And previously, when he's a head coach, he led the, the nation in scoring, I think, on all levels. Coach, what did you, what was a play? that you put in that had massive maximum success, you know, why did you do that? You know, or, you know, you ask a position coach who's coached a lot of people that went to the NFL. What was the one trait, the common denominator of all your players that went to the NFL? Have a coach who coached someone who's a big time, like for instance, somebody like, and I don't know if we have a coach that coached Myron Roll, but I'll use Myron Roll. Myron Roll is known for, you know, going road scholar and now he's helping out with coronavirus. You say, hey, this guy's making a huge impact in the medical field. What is one thing that he did off the field that translated to on the field or, or vice versa? What is one skill he learned from football that helped him in his career path now? You know, just asking questions about so much, you know, hey, how much does the, and this is now this is deep, but it's, let's just be honest. How much investment does the athletic department have in what your what, what your goal is? You know, that, that's a lot, but, you know. You know, how, how is the athletic department involved in? How, how is the athletic department supporting your vision for the program? Correct. And Correct. I, I, to piggyback off of, you know, the questions that you kind of threw out there, you know, what is your plan for me? And I don't want to feel like just another name or just another, you know, future NFL player to go on a graphic for you. Like, Correct. you know, are they, are they personalizing this to, to what you need because everybody's different. Same is not fair. Uh, Correct. And 
I think the the other thing, the question that we put forward for kids all the time is you need to ask coaches at the schools you're visiting, how many of your players are actually majoring in engineering? How many of your players are actually majoring in the, the, the degree plan that they are passionate about that they want to do? Because here at Rice, we're going to let you do the best of both worlds. Like you're going to be able to major in whatever you want to major in. And we're going to adjust our practice schedule every year based off of our schedule. Like that's not the case everywhere. And that's why we're different. And that's why it's hard here. But I think it's important to when you get these facts and you start to do your research and look up these programs to also ask the coach, hey, will I be able to major in this? You know, we were at Houston and there was a player that we were going after and he wanted to major in architecture. And architecture is one of those majors that it is really difficult. It's probably one of the most uh, time intensive. You could probably talk to this. Yeah. You know, with your wife, Cree, and everything that she done in architecture. But, you know, we had to tell them straight up, like, you know, it's going to be difficult. We probably, we've never had anybody major in this. But, like, if you don't ask that question, you're never going to get that answer. And you're going to have a, a, a wrong expectation heading into it and be disappointed. And I think going back to what you talked about from a classroom management standpoint, what you learned there, setting expectations are so important, especially in recruiting not just for the recruits, but also as coaches, like you've got to understand that, you know, this is a, an entire experience for this student athlete that you're recruiting. You need to be, you know, honest and genuine with how you set that expectation because Absolutely. it's going to really shape the future of that relationship. Some other questions that you brought, we talked about, you know, we talk about what they're going to do for you, how they're going to develop you. Um, some things I've learned is, you know, what does alumni engagement look like? Will I be will I be invited back to the program when I'm done playing? Um, what what does it look like when I'm done playing? Is there a alumni network? You know, are there uh, leads where I can meet with former alumni? Do we have career oriented stuff? While I'm here during the off season, there's so much time during the off season. Are there opportunities for me to have an internship? Are there opportunities for me to get a job? And then what's the plan? What's the transition plan if something happens? Let's say I'm a senior. Now that coronavirus has happened, we now know there's no such, like we can use this uh, on my aspect of development. Now that coronavirus has happened, what happens if my season is taken away from me and like the, some of the spring sports, I may not be able to come back or that season taken away and I don't want to come back because my body's done. What is the plan for me? If injury comes, if a pandemic comes, if I'm declared that I, I can't play anymore, what is that plan? And lastly, for recruits, like I think there, there are some important things to pay attention to uh, as you are evaluating schools based off your experience. And that's, you know, what's the communication like leading up to the visit? You know, are they sending you the parking information? Are they telling you where to go? Are they getting you an itinerary? Have you been contacted by your area coach or your position coach or the recruiting staff? I think the touch points that you have before you step on campus and the expectation that's placed on the visit should be covered before you get there because at the end of the day you're a guest and as the pro liaison back at houston and the pro liaison at rice the best scouts and the best people that came through you know had the the approach of i am a guest i'm in somebody else's home i'm going to be respectful and polite and you know follow as they lead me right you know, you never want to come across as the recruit that just constantly wants more and don't take it as a as a front to you or or a detriment to kind of your ability as a player. 
people move at different speeds. Maybe you're a target and somebody they are interested in, but they just want to get to know you better and have more conversations with you, let you see what the program's about from a practice standpoint. And if the conversation furthers next time you're on campus, they're going to have more to show you. Ed, as far as what the recruits should expect on, on different visits, um, what's the best way to go about when you're meeting the position coach for the first time and sitting in his office? What advice do you have there? I think that that is when you're sitting in the position coach's office, that is your opportunity to be honest, open about questions because you're not around other recruits, right? This is your opportunity. Like you said, is if I bring a guest and I sit a guest down, I bring them in, we sit down and we're in a room and, and my wife and my daughters, they go somewhere else. Like that, that is our, that is a intimate environment where you can ask all these questions, where you can get with a coach, you can learn about scheme. I think that's a, when you get in that room, with the position coach, I think as you look at the levels of recruiting, there's some seriousness to it. So you need to start coming with your deeper questions and start finding out as much as you can because that, that opportunity doesn't happen every single time, as we know, because they all have to recruit others. When they're in there, these are the questions. that you, I, I would segment the questions in three ways, campus, field, and off the field. Have those questions ready. All right, I need my campus, campus slash city. Um, you know, ask the coach. Once again, going back to what I said earlier, Hey, how do you, how does your family like living in Lawrence? You know, you're from where I'm from. How, how do you like, it? you know, what, what was the adjustment? Okay. On the field, start asking about position, depth chart, all that off the field. Okay. Academics. What does academics look like? Well, you know, how many hours am I going to take? Okay. During the off season, I know I saw, you know, I'm interested in, you know, finance, real estate. Will I be able to get an internship as I, as I go through the, my years here? And so those are the questions that you need to have asked and be prepared for when you're sitting down with the position coach. And then the other one that's that's really, really key is is the person that's ultimately developing and working with the players on a on a daily, daily basis, year round essentially, is is the strength coach. Uh, it's the heart oh, and soul of every single program. For us, Hans Straub does an incredible job um having the experience of being at Stanford and so many other places. But um what what uh, type of questions should recruits have for the strength coach and, and what should they look for? Because obviously everybody's different in how they run their, their program, right? But what are some ways to get more information on that beyond just the presentation side of it? Because um, that's a coach. Like that's, that There's is no every, problem. he coaches the entire team. Yeah. Spends, we'll spend the most time with the student athletes in their four to five years there. I mean, it's not even close. I've been fortunate to work with some really, really good ones. Currently right now I'm working with Ben Ianchione. He's with Coach Miles at LSU. He ran the program at Wyoming. Um, they did an incredible job last season. And what I what look, when he speaks to our recruits, what I love first before he even gets to weights, before he even gets to football, before he even gets to his programming, is he wants to build young men. And I think that's important, like you said, for not only student athletes, but parents. He, that, that strength coach is going to spend the most amount of time with your young man. He's going to have the biggest influence on how your young man goes about life. And, and what I love about Coach Ian Keone and, and my position here at Kansas is we, I'm at every workout. I try to make every workout I can and we're talking and, and he's talking to me or I'm talking to him. Hey, you know, um, how so-and-so doing, or I may come and say, Hey, what's going on? So-and-so. And we're, we're, we're devising, you know, we're coming together because we care. Like when I say he cares about the building young men, like that's so true. 
And that is important. As you come on that visit, you want to hear that, right? Because they're going to get you stronger. They're going to get you faster. They're going to, when you spend that much time with a professional, they're going to be able to get results. But also with that said, you need to, when you spend that much time with a professional, you want to grow not only physically, but you want to grow mentally uh, also. And, you know, and, I just and what's, the, what's, and what's the, the philosophy? Like, can, can, they, can they explain their philosophy? Recruits will notice this when we give the presentation is Hans Straub, our strength coach, will always present with our sports dietitian, Roberta Anding, who's worked with the Rockets, who's worked with the Astros, the Texans. She's done it at the pro level, and she does an incredible job with our guys right now uh, because it's twofold. You know, it's not just the strength development. It's also the nutrition, what you're putting in your body. So, you know, going back to what, what Ed is saying is, you know, how are they setting you up for success? Because, you know, so much of the experience of visits and, and what kids focus on, you know, is the football side of things. And that is so important, right? You've got to make sure that you're being able to reach your full potential, but it's a four to five year experience where you're playing, you know, 11, 12 games a year. You are there for, you know, four to five years and you're there to set yourself up for success for life. I think at the end of the day, the focus has to be, you know, what is your plan for me? Who are the people that are going to be involved in my experience here at this university? And what is the, what is the feel, you know, because it needs to feel like home. It needs to feel like a place that you can see yourself thriving. I think the, uh, the driving force for us is our players because our players are guys that were the best in the classroom and the best on the field. You have to get a feel for the locker room. And the only way you do that is by spending time and seeing how they interact with each other. I tell recruits this and I'll continue to tell parents this too. Pay attention to how the players interact with the coaches, yes. not the recruits. Don't no. pay attention to the recruits because of course everybody's going to be, you know, putting their best foot forward and trying to be super nice to the recruit because we're getting to, you know, early stages of that relationship process. But with the players, you can really see how invested somebody is just from how they communicate, how they work together. You know, I, I think that's such a critical part in it. And if there's anything you want to add to that. Like you said, the players are going to, the current players will tell you everything you need to know about the program overall because they're introducing, and especially if they're a host, especially if it's an official visit, they're going to tell you everything you need to know. How they interact. When you have dinner, are they saying what's up to their coaches? They kind of giving the side eye, whatever it may be. And that's to bring up another good point. When student athletes are there and parents are there, look at how I would spend more time, like if it's me, let's say Ella's on a visit for whatever sport, I'm literally, I am looking at how these players, current players interact with everybody on staff. Like even like, for instance, right, with, with presentations, when when players leave, and, and this is the crazy part, when players stay for people's presentation, even though they already know the program, that tells you a lot about that person who's giving the presentation. They're not like, all right, I know this, let me get out. But when they're staying there, when they're, you know, when they're listening, like they're on, like I've seen some of our players with some of our staff members, our players are still hanging on every word, like they're still getting recruited, you know? And yeah. but that's huge in the recruiting process for people to see that. This is all awesome stuff, Ed. Before we let our listeners go, give me one piece of advice for recruits going through the recruiting process. Man, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Like I said, I, I being at the high school level now on this level, there's so much pressure put on. Um they have to enjoy it. It's, it's literally the only time that it, according to where you are in life, you're going to have multiple people 
Um, and I've, I've been around athletes that have 60 to 70 schools want to pay for your education, want to roll the red carpet off of you. You know, as I know, when you graduated in like that in the corporate world, you know, it ain't like, hey, it's 70 companies waiting to give you, you know, compete with other companies for you. You know, some people experience that. I didn't experience that. So I would tell them to, to enjoy. Life goes by fast. They need to have fun on these campuses. They need to to enjoy the campus. Like, get out of that foot. Just get out of that foot. If you're only in a football building, ask to go on campus. Go look at these campuses because you need to enjoy the entire process. Enjoy it. Enjoy the honesty from coaches. Enjoy the letters, the text. Enjoy it. You know, that, that that's something. Everybody's not afforded that. Everybody's not afforded that. I think it's 7.1% of high school football players play D1. Um, I think overall, if you take all the levels, I think it's right at 10, maybe 11%. Like, they need to enjoy the process as much as possible. They don't need to get high strung. They don't need to look at somebody else's. They need to enjoy their own process for their own life. What do parents need to know? Parents need to know that, and I've seen a lot of parents enjoy the trips, but what parents need to know is that this is a crucial time. That 18 to 22 is a crucial time in molding adults. And so parents need to, I believe parents need to enjoy it also. You have your, your son is someone's going to provide an education through your son's work. Um, they need to enjoy it, but I think they also need to, they need to have their hand in it. Sometimes I know I hear parents say, Hey, it's going to be up to my son. There has to be, and, and I get that from a standpoint because he's, but he's not a grown man. He, he's not, you know, there needs to be parents. Uh, I, I, I love parent involvement. I love parents. At the end of the day, you want the kid, the, the player to be happy and they're going to choose where they choose. But I think parents should be active and not in an overbearing sense, but 18 to 22, we're talking about critical development in the human life. Um, so I think parents need to research. Parents need to ask questions. I think parents, a lot of times, parents don't want to be that parent to ask too many questions. They feel like, oh, you're bothering the coach. But, I mean, this is a, a, a massive decision. I know if I ever get the experience, man, they, they probably won't like me. Because I'm asking, you know, what you going to do with like, my daughter when she's done playing? What happens? Like, what happens with this? Are you going to communicate with me? Will you communicate with me? What's the communication process? So parents, once again, enjoy it. But if I'm a parent, I would research this like they would if they're buying a house. Like they're buying, if they would, if they're buying a car, if they're opening up account, this is a huge step in their life to help take their young man and lead him into manhood. I think that's such a good point. Like, Lord have mercy on the uh, college recruiter if if I uh, if I have a, a son or daughter that that goes through this process of all the questions that I'm going to ask. And I'm gonna be the person like I won't be the guy to be like I right, like right. at, at the visit I won't be like this is bogus. But when we get in the car, I'm like, nah, you ain't coming here. Like you're, you're gonna be here. that dad that during the junior day, after the head coach finishes the presentation, he he opens it up for Q and A, and you rattle off like eight questions, and all the parents are looking at you sideways, like, yo, are you gonna let us like go on campus and like <laughs> no doubt junior day? No doubt, that's gonna be me. <laughs> All right, so high school coaches, what would you tell them? It's something I brought up a little earlier. If I was a high school coach, I would research the university. Um, I would research the programs. I would create my own. Uh, I would do a mock visit. This is what I wish I, I would do a mock visit on my campus. Hey, what are you interested in? 
and kind of walk these guys through how to answer things. Um, one thing that me and you, uh, I really got, I honestly got this from you when I was at Houston is you listen to press conferences of what coaches, the, the coach's introductory press conference. So I was a high school coach. I would sit down and look at the things that this coach is saying and make sure the player understands that. But then as I'm talking to coaches, hey, coach, you know, at your press conference, you said you were looking for these type of players. Uh, I can assure you that this guy is this type of player for you. And then once again, just the communication. I, I, like, I wish I would research more. Um, and it wasn't at fault. Nothing happened bad. But I wish I would have been able to give information to my player as they went through it. Like, hey, make sure you see this. I know you're interested in the business school. Make sure that they set up a business school or call in the coach. Hey, coach, is he going to have an opportunity to see the business school? Because he's interested in entrepreneurship. I just want to make sure y'all know that, that he's looking forward to that. So you can kind of, you know, be a part of that process. Thank you so much for jumping on the show and Appreciate talking you. to our listeners about, you know, all the advice that you have from, you know, being a coach, being a college recruiter, and now, you know, director of player development with Kansas. Tell our listeners where they can can follow you on on social and how to how to follow all the the big things that you're doing. They can follow me at Ed underscore Jones two. That's uh, Twitter and Instagram. Those are consolidated. So at Ed underscore Jones two. Again, thank you so much for for stepping on the show and look forward to talking to you soon, man. No problem, brother. I see you.